Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. This is Dylan Burroughs along with Joseph Kerr, and we are excited to be with you today. Today, we have a friend that we've had with us before, but we're excited to bring to you. We have Tom Hughes, who is the founder of HopeForOurTimes.com and the pastor of 412 Church. We're excited to hear his prophetic updates and information and analysis today. Tom, thanks for being with us on A View From The Wall. Hey, you bet. Thanks for having me. Uh, Exciting times we live in. Yes, who would have known since the last time we talked on the air that the church would be uh, resorting to meeting at home, live streaming, and that it would actually be controversial that your church was open on Mother's Day Sunday in sunny California. It just seems odd to hear that, but your church was open, one of the first ones in California. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to come back and gather in public worship. (laughs) Okay. The thing, it, it was quite stressful, believe it or not. <laughs> I mean, who would, who would have seen? I wouldn't have thought of so much going into it, but I, w- I was quite stressed out. So my wife kept reminding me, you need to trust in the Lord. And uh, who would ever think it would happen in such a way as this? That, like you said, it would be controversial for church to be open. So we had two services. We typically have four on a Sunday. We had two. And uh, we still did all the live streaming, YouTube, Facebook, everything. And uh, we we went for it, and we had a, a decent attendance, and um, and it was exciting. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The people who showed up enjoyed it, and uh, we 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 did it, you know. And I and I didn't get arrested, and uh, we'll do it again. That, that's a new standard for ministry. I had church and didn't get arrested. Yeah. Well, here's. I was, I was in jail years ago, so I have a little bit of a checkered past. So that was about 40 years ago. And, um, you know, I got saved 32 years ago. So somewhere between there, um, I ended up in jail. And, uh, and this time I figured that was for all the wrong reasons. Yes. And I thought if I'm going to end up in jail for preach, preaching Christ, that's a, good, that's, that's a good reason. You know, the prisons are letting everybody else out. They're throwing hairdressers in and people who want to make a living. And, and uh, if I go to jail for a good cause, that, that maybe that'll be part of my redemption for what I did wrong when I ended up in jail the last time. Oh, that's great. Now, I have been in jail for street preaching in Madison, Wisconsin. So it, it does happen. You can get thrown in jail for that. Um, you, you caught some flack for doing this. It wasn't without controversy. And even from some fellow pastors, it, it, let me just ask, how, how did you handle that and the other question, how long is it before other pastors are going to decide that they just can't stay closed any longer? Uh, well, that's, that's two good questions. Uh, the first one is I'm still dealing with it, and I don't I don't think I'm going to stop dealing with it regarding other ministries or pastors that don't like what I'm doing. Um, even some people in our own church, um, after we met uh, Mother's Day Sunday, I received a text from somebody that had my personal cell number, they let me know they wouldn't be returning uh, to our church when they found out that I actually held an open service. That's somebody from our own church, but it, it is what it is. I, you know, you you got to count those costs. Before we went into this, I told my wife, I said, "Look, you're, there's a good chance you're going to lose friends if I have the church open 
for people to come inside on Sunday. And I said, you got to, you got to count the cost. And I said, I can already tell what I'm getting just because I teach on Bible prophecy. Um, and I said, so you're going to lose friends. And she said, that's all right. We need to do what God is showing you to do. And I said, okay. And I'm still getting some messages that are very favorable to what we're doing. Some people want to be on board with it. But uh, the majority of the negative I get is coming from other uh, churchgoers or even pastors. Really? Well, as you look at what is happening during this time where you have churches that are on lockdown and are now starting to come back and meet together publicly, what do you see that's different? How is this benefiting ministry? What is God doing in the midst of this transition that we are seeing? Well, I, I look at it, I'm hoping that this has inspired uh, churches, pastors, whichever side you're on, if you agree with me or disagree with me, to preach Christ. Listen, Jesus is coming. The Bible tells us to watch and be Jesus himself to watch and be ready, watch and pray, watch therefore. Um, that's what we do. That's what you do. That's what I do. So Jesus is coming. And let's say he wasn't. Let's say Jesus doesn't come for 200 years. Our goal still ought to be the goal of preaching Christ that others would come to know him. People are open to hearing about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking with people who never go to church. Who, who I've become friends with over the years, and they want to know. But people are wondering more than ever what in the world is going on. Whether or not a pastor wants to admit it, it's true. I mean, I, I don't see how you can deny it. So take advantage of the opportunity to let the gospel be known. Uh, continue with whatever kind of uh, uh, social media outreach that you have. Uh, preach Christ. Um, and, and also, I look at this. Before this COVID-19 thing started, go back Go back to early February. Um, all the churches that were worried about uh, their budgets and getting new lights and uh, cameras and the sound system and the new chairs and the new carpet, obviously none of those things really matter. The only thing that matters is Jesus Christ and the salvation of people. And so people are getting redirected recalibrated, uh, storing your treasure in heaven, not just with money, but with your actions, and um, ministering as much as possible uh, as we go forward. And those are such good words and well-spoken, this idea that we preach Christ and Him crucified. So many things that the church and even church leaders are focused on prior to COVID-19 that now seems so trivial as we consider this important matter of churches returning together for worship, about our liberties being trampled on and telling us that we can't meet and all that goes along with that and how that connects with prophecy and what we see in the end times is very important. And we want to talk about that more in our next segment together. So stick with us here on A View From The Wall. We'll be right back with more with Tom Hughes. From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. Can apparent contradictions in Scripture be resolved? Yes. Here's two examples. 1 Samuel 14 notes that Absalom had three sons, but 2 Samuel 18 notes that he did not have any sons to continue his lineage. Is this an error? No. Absalom did have three sons, but they all died very young. 
Number two, the Gospels note that Jesus was crucified at two different times, the third hour and the sixth hour. But that's because two different systems of keeping time, Roman and Hebrew, were referenced. There are apparent contradictions in Scripture. However, all can be resolved with a little research. I encourage you to take advantage of free I'm a Watchman resources so you can grow in knowledge and confidence in the Word of God. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a Watchman. Iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View From The Wall. This is Dylan and Joe, and we are talking with Pastor Tom Hughes, who is also the founder of Hope For Our Times, an excellent prophecy ministry that if you have not checked out, we really want to recommend you do so. It's hopeforourtimes.com. Tom Hughes has great prophecy updates, his weekly messages on live stream. These are important issues that you want to pick up on. And one thing that we want to talk about in this segment is how some of these things we are seeing related to the COVID-19 testing and pandemic going on are connected with events relating to the end times of the Bible. We can see where some of this could easily be used by a globalist leader to control the masses. If you look, for example, at House Bill H.R. 6666, I'm not making that up. The COVID-19 Testing, Reaching, and Contacting Everyone Act That's just one example. Tell us a little bit about what you're seeing with this, Pastor Tom. Okay. I I find this absolutely remarkable. Uh, China, let me put it into context for everybody. China has had a social credit system for quite some time. And it was at least a year ago where I kept telling people the prophecy messages that the social credit system that determines where people can go to school, where they can live, all that type of thing, whether or not they can travel um, based upon whether or not they respect the government or they speak against the government, they're, they're put into the social credit system. You socially are a good neighbor or you're a bad neighbor. If you have good social credit, you're blessed by the government. You can do what you want. If you're bad, then you're not blessed. All right. I said that system that's in China is going to come to the rest of the world. I said it's going to take on a different format. It's going to be implemented. I said it's real easy to understand why. It's because every dictator in the world is going to want this, and the coming new world order is going to want a system that works like this, albeit it'll be new and it will be improved. Okay. That being said, we enter into where we are now, the COVID-19 era, and this HR, the bill HR 6666. No, you're not making it up. I actually have the document before me. It was given to me by an attorney the other day, and and I'd like to quote this from it so everybody can hear. This is what it actually says. To authorize the Secretary of Health and Human Services to award grants to eligible entities to conduct diagnostic testing for COVID-19 and related activities such as contact tracing through mobile health units and, as necessary, at individuals' residences and for other purposes, other purposes, pretty open-ended. And then, and then you said uh, what, what this also says here, this act may be cited as the COVID-19 Testing, Reaching, and Contacting Everyone Act, a.k.a. the TRACE Act. And then it says this, to trace and monitor the contact of infected individuals and to support the quarantine of such contacts through mobile health units and as necessary. 
testing individuals and providing individuals with services related to testing and quarantine at their residences. Uh, there's a lot more to this. That, to me, sounds like house arrest. And I look at this and go, this is absolutely unbelievable what, what Americans are, the freedoms Americans are willing to give up for perceived safety. And I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said, hey, uh, whoever's willing to give up their freedom for safety doesn't deserve either safety nor freedom. Let me give you another uh, thing to think about. The other day I was talking with a gentleman. He's the head of security of a very large business. Uh, he said they've installed the thermal imaging devices that are necessary at all of their entrances that take the temperature of every single person that walks in. If you're at 100.4 degrees or above, you get taken out to a tent and they re-examine you further and decide if you have to go home, if you should be quarantined or whatever. And I said, this is, you're going to install it. He goes, oh, no, we've already done it. We want to be compliant. <laughs> so it's not a matter of if this is happening. It is happening. We're hearing these counties that are saying, no, we'll, we'll make sure. We want to do this for your safety. We'll come to your home. We'll test you. If you found out you got this, we'll, we'll, we'll quarantine you. You know, what the heck does that mean? Um, so I, I'm very alarmed by these things that we are watching when we put it into the perspective of what the Bible says and the willingness of people to just say, this is okay, it's for your safety. That's what happened in the days of Hitler. It's for your safety. And, and I hear the narrative now, and it's, it's unbelievable. We go to a lot of Bible prophecy conferences. You speak at a lot of them, and many of them at the end of the conference will have a roundtable discussion where the folks who are attending can ask questions. And one of the ones that comes up almost every conference, and I don't know how many hundreds of times you've probably answered this over the years, but we always get asked, where is America in Bible prophecy? And it's because of the image we have of America, the, the stand up and fight for the little guy, the one that comes to the rescue of Israel and the other parts of the world, the the. America that we know isn't visible in Bible prophecy. Wouldn't it be interesting now that we've seen how willingly what you just said, people will give up their right to go to church, their right to leave their house, all of those things just willingly surrender that. Wouldn't it be interesting if a post-rapture America just willingly conformed to a globalist system? You mentioned a post-rapture America. I'm starting to wonder if, about a possibility of a pre-rapture America um, just not being willing to get involved uh, in the last day's events, speaking specifically of Ezekiel chapter 38. America's not the superpower there. But think of it like this. I, I came across this writing that said, just like that, the government controls all sporting events, concerts, jobs, colleges, medical facilities, whether or not you can leave your house, has depleted resources, including toilet paper and food, and controls all travel, and they now control everything that we do about our life. And then this question has to be how easy that was. Mass panic is carrying complete control of literally the world over a virus, one that the survival rates are extremely high. All freedom has been limited overnight. And the alarm, I think of that, and I think of the alarming reality, how easy this was. I thought for Americans to to this, to what we're watching right now, that people would be fighting, that everybody's got, you know, half the people got guns, uh, that 
isn't going to be easy for any kind of takeover or submission to a coming new world order or America submitting to the UN or whatever it is. And now, man, if if you don't go along with this narrative, you are uh, publicly shamed. You're a bad citizen. And, and I, I look now and think, uh, would it necessarily be a post-rapture America? I don't know. I hope the rapture comes really soon. But I'm, I'm looking at these things go, I don't know. And, and then, by the way, back to your other question about HR 6666, do you, I kind of wonder, is it just a coincidence that number is 6666? Or was that intended uh, to be given that number to be in your face of prophecy? That's like me. Yeah, so that's a great question, but I love your uh, discussion there when you're talking about that idea that what we once thought would happen in post-rapture America is already taking place in many ways today, and we'll talk more about that when we come back here on A View From The Walls. Stick with us. The I Am A Watchman ministry is supported by people just like you so that we can continue in our call to encourage, disciple, educate, and bring people from all tribes and tongues into a right relationship with Jesus. The I Am A Watchman ministry desires to reach the lost, encourage and equip believers, and prepare for the return of the Lord. There's a great need to share truth and disciple believers. Most in the Western world are not strong in their faith. Billions in Africa and India and in Arab and Asian regions are lost or persecuted for their faith. We want to reach them and equip them. Our vision is to facilitate the multiplication of godly leaders, watchmen around the world. Free I Am A Watchman resources have been accessed by individuals in more than 160 countries, but there's so much more to do. Please consider becoming a prayer and financial partner in this good work. Visit IamAWatchman.com to find out how. Welcome back to A View From The Wall. This is Dylan and Joe. We have been talking with Pastor Tom Hughes from 412 Church, as well as the founder of Hope For Our Times at HopeForOurTimes.com. And in this last segment, we want to talk about something that's not easy, but is important to discuss, and that's the issue of Christian persecution. We don't like to talk about it, and we are very blessed in our country to have religious liberties that other nations do not. But right now, we are at a time where on Facebook, uh, we see people persecuting or censoring materials. We see places like Twitter that are shadow banning. We see all kinds of censorship taking place today. And we also see it in this COVID-19 crisis where government is telling churches they can't meet, uh, giving different kinds of restrictions that we would have never imagined even a year ago. And now we're talking about some of these events in terms of pre-rapture rather than post-rapture. So, Tom, talk a little bit about some of these changes and what you're seeing today. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that. There's certain things that we are observing with laws that are coming that I, you know, I thought, well, realistically, that wouldn't happen until the tribulation started. Certain things, such as the tracking that obviously is now going to be significantly increased. Uh, the social shaming. Uh, I think I mentioned last thing about the good citizen and the bad citizen. And the social shaming that's taking place already, that same type of thing happened back in the days of Nazi Germany. This is what really is troubling me. In the days of Nazi Germany, uh, the churches would stand up and speak the truth. They were afraid of the Nazi regime, as it was 
uh, coming into power. And by the time they, they realized what was really going on, it was too late. And I'm seeing the same thing today. People just aren't saying, hey, look, can't you see what is really taking place? This whole thing is shaping up. And if you're, if, again, if you just don't go along with it, there's this weird social shaming of persecution that's taking place. However, I want to say this. The persecution that's going to take place during the actual tribulation is going to be far more severe than anything right now. Uh, now you're labeled and kind of shamed and stuff like that. What's coming is going to be far more severe, especially when it comes to the place of receiving the mark of the beast. But it's going to increase, and I do want to say this too, I don't think a lot of the things that people say are persecution right now, a lot of it just isn't real, genuine persecution yet, like they have in China or some of the Islamic countries. And uh, will it come to America, the increased persecution before the rapture? I, I want to prepare your listeners. I think it's quite possible. Jesus said uh, that if you follow him, you will receive persecution. You will experience suffering. Did not say you will experience the tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. Uh, be a good chair, I've overcome the world. But we're not going to experience the ultimate tribulation period that's coming uh, the 70th week of Daniel. But, man, as a believer, I, I think we need to be prepared for persecution to increase because we just don't know when the rapture is going to take place. We don't know the day or the hour, but we do know what to watch for and we feel that we need to be watching. In both Matthew 24 and 13, where that's recorded, what you were talking about, it talks about the birth pangs. And we pay a lot of attention to the earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars and all those things. And people talk about those are evidence that Christ is about to return. But the verse is very clear. It's actually verse 8 in both Matthew 24 and Mark 13 says all these things are the beginning of birth pangs. So even if those are events that are world events that are leading up to that, that's just the beginning. And he goes on to say that you will be taken before magistrates. You'll be given up by your own family. You'll be persecuted and killed. All of those things are events he's describing before the rapture happens. Yeah. Um, so also in Luke chapter 21, because uh, Mark 24, uh, Mark 13, excuse me, Matthew 24, Luke 21, are all uh, the all of the discourse. Uh, Matthew's perspective is for the Jew, Luke's perspective is for the Gentile. And in Luke chapter 21, Luke does quote Jesus as saying, when you see these things begin to take place, look up for your redemption draws near. So when you put it into the context of first thing, which is what Jesus did, and the Apostle Paul also did later, you put it in that context, all these things are going to increase in frequency and intensity. The first things are only increased the amount of pain and how often they come. Um, but then, as the baby's born, all of a sudden, it's just one giant push. This is what it feels like to me right now, because the whole globe is experiencing this, certainly the repercussions of this. No matter if somebody thinks it's a hoax or not a hoax, the whole world is going through this, and the whole world is wondering what in the world is going on. But like one giant push as the baby's about ready to be born, does that mean the rapture can happen tomorrow? I've been hoping for that for over 30 years, but I do know that all of these things that we are witnessing, again, Jesus told us, when you see them begin to take place, uh, we're, we're past watching them begin. When you see them begin to take place, look up for your redemption draws near. And also when we look at the various signs, a, a big sign is that 
back in the land of Israel again and so forth. Those are all signs of his second coming, not the sign of the rapture. So these things we're looking at are all a hint that Jesus is coming at the end of the tribulation period, that we could be called up to heaven uh, at any time. Well, that is well said. And even the verse you mentioned, Luke 21, 28, talks about look up for your redemption draws near. When we only look at what's happening in our world from a human perspective, it could be very dire, very negative. But when we look up, we see this is part of God's redemptive plan and that he may be back any moment to take us to be with him for all eternity. And Pastor Tom, we only have about a minute left, but as we conclude today, take a moment to give a word of encouragement and challenge to our watchmen and our watchwomen. What can they learn from a global pandemic that will help them to watch, warn, and finish well? Amen. Uh, think of these words, Paul writing Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then he went on and said, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and has called us. God has saved us, God has called us as your believer in Christ, and we have the answers. In fact, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, we're told to comfort one another with these words. Jesus is coming. The signs that the Bible tells us to watch for, they, they're signs that tell us Jesus is coming. And if we can keep that perspective, there is great hope and encouragement. Uh, and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus is coming again. Look up. Our redemption is drawing near. And thank you, Pastor Tom, for being with us today. For those who would like more information about Tom and his ministry, go to HopeForOurTimes.com to catch up on all the latest with Pastor Tom. Thanks for joining us here on A View from the Wall. We look forward to being with you next time. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.